Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Nervous every time I open God's Word. I don't want to do something that wouldn't be honoring to God, and I don't want to do something that wouldn't edify the saints. It's kind of why we gather here tonight. So I want you to listen to this with an open heart and open mind, and I want you to try to chew on these things as best as, best as you can. If you've been visiting with us or if you're your first-time visitor, uh, uh, just, just stick with us all the way to the end, and let's see if the Lord um, uh, can open our hearts to, to some truth tonight. Um, this would not be a message where you would have to agree with the preacher. <laughs> Matter of fact, most people don't agree with me on this, and that's okay. I'm all right with it. I want you to be all right with it. But lest at, lest at least look at these verses. Genesis, we're going to look at Genesis chapter number one. And the title of our message tonight, we're going to look at the Christmas season and the Christmas tree and see how much Christ is in any of those two things. Um, so we're going to run a few verses on season. Let's look at Genesis chapter number one, verse number 14. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. Wow. God's pretty powerful. What do we see in the context of creation? We see God created seasons. We don't worship a season. We worship the God who created the season. Winter, spring, summer, fall. We don't schedule out time to worship the season when the sun comes stronger or the sun doesn't. None of those things we should worship. We should worship the creator, not what he created. So I think we get that. Now let's go over to Numbers, chapter number 9. And let's look at this. In the book of Numbers, seasons shows up five times. Numbers chapter 9, verse number 2. The Bible simply says, let's read verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. He's speaking to Moses. He's in the wilderness of Sinai. In the first month of the second year after they were come out of the land of Egypt, saying, let the children of Israel also keep the Passover at his appointed season. So we're not going to get too deep into the nation, but God gave the nation his chosen people. There were different seasons and there were different uh, Sabbaths and there were different festivals. There were different things that came a time for them to go ahead and participate in those things. Now, just as a side note, we're not Israel. Those promises were give, given to that nation and those descendants. But nonetheless, for the context tonight, what do we see? We see a season where they came together and they pass over and all, and all the rest of it. We, we see in the Bible as well. Well, let's go over there. Let's go over to Job. Job is right before Psalms. And let's get Job chapter number 30. Let's look at the season here. Job chapter number 30, verse number 17. We first saw that God created seasons. We don't worship those seasons. We worship the creator. And we saw some seasons dealt with the nation. 
Now we're going to look at Job chapter 30, verse number 17. The Bible says, uh, am I in the right place? 30, verse 17. Look at this. My bones are pierced in me in the night season, and my sinews take no rest. You have this night season in the Bible. The light season is, is are when times are good. But the night season, when we see that show up in the Bible, those are troublesome times. Those are seasons of trial. Those are seasons of difficulty. And it really, they're good for us because night shows us what we don't see in the light. Why do we put our kids to bed and then all of a sudden they're afraid of the dark? And something in their mind it showed them something, even if it was imaginary, that they didn't see in the light. Why does God put us through a time of a night season? So he can show us something that we couldn't see in a light season. And he wants us to pay attention. It helps us to admit our need for him. How many of you were ever in a difficult situation and you felt like there was no solution, there were no answers? All of us, right? God's trying to tell us something. I don't know what it is. But between you and God, I bet you you can figure it out. But in those night season times, that's when we need to look to God more. In that season, what's your lifeline? Is it God and his word? God wants you there in that night season because you're vulnerable there. You're more likely to lean on him there. And sometimes that's where God wants you. He wants you in that season. You're restless. You're weary. Where do you find rest and relief? Jesus Christ. The only place. Ready to go over the New Testament? Let's go over to 1 Peter chapter number 1. This isn't so bad. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. First Peter chapter one. Okay, look at this verse number four. Here's what the Bible says. Verse Peter chapter one, verse number four. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept. I'm not keeping my salvation. You're not keeping your salvation. We'd be sunk after day one, minute one. Amen. By the power of God, through faith and the salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Look at this one. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. How in the world do you go through trial and temptation and have joy? Because you've got an inheritance. That's eternal. And you're kept by God. 
And that's something to rejoice about. And that's the only thing that will get you through the trial. But this verse is not talking about, well, I'm here. I'll just endure till the end. I'll just suck it up and suck it up buttercup. And this is just my lot in life. And I'll get through it. And I'll put on my happy face. People do that. I mean, I've done that at times. Haven't you? <laughs> but that's not this. This season is they're happy. How in the world can you and I do that in that night season, in that season in our life where it says it's going to be short, it says it's going to pass. And in the light of what we have in eternity, man, brother, sister, it is short here. When you look at it from that light, they're happy, they're full of joy. And the only reason they can be is because they've got something far, far better that they're looking onto and they're taking hold of and accessing all those fruits of the spirit and everything that we have in Christ Jesus. That's how we get through a season like that. It's going to pass. Now let's finish with a couple of high notes on this introduction. Let's go to second Timothy. Chapter 4. Let's get Hebrews chapter 11. All right, 2 Timothy chapter number 4. Let's do that one first. 2 Timothy chapter number 4, and let's read verse number 2. The Bible says, preach the end of the world. Preach coronavirus is going to kill you. Preach there's a government conspiracy. No, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. There's a season and we don't want to be out of it. If there is one season, we should be in all the time. We don't worship seasons. We're in a night season. We want to get out of that one. But there's one season we don't want to get out of. Preaching the word, amen. Giving people the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stay in that season. Stay in that thing. Stay there. Hebrews chapter 11. That's a positive note for a season. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 25. The Bible says, Choosing rather. To suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Brothers and sisters, there is a season of sin that is enjoyable. Young people, pay attention. Sin brings pleasure. Sin brings temporary for lack of a better word, fun. Sin makes you feel, your flesh feel good. There's a season of that that is readily available to you 24-7. How do I know? I was there. How do the adults know? They were there. We've all had our seasons of sin we don't need to dig that stuff up, but we know it's there. 
us, why Jesus is such a key role in our lives. There's that season of sin that we should avoid. Then there's a season that we should constantly be in, which is preaching the word. Last one, Psalm 104. Psalm 104, verse number 19. We looked at this last Thursday. The Bible says, he appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knoweth his going down. God's in control of the moon, the seasons, the sun, all of it. God is in control. No type of worship of a sun god, no type of worship of a season will render us any good whatsoever. Now, I've ran all the verses concerning season in the Bible. We're not going to go through all of them for, for time's sake. But I want to sum up, sum up this season by saying, biblically, I'm not trying to be Mr. Meany, but biblically, I can't find one verse principle. I can't even make anything work that would say that there's a Christmas season. I'm kind of stepping back because I, it's not a fun message to preach. I just in the Bible, I can't find it. I find seasons on a lot of things, but I can't find anywhere that says, oh, the Christmas season is here. Let's deck the halls and let's let's go buy some eggnog and let's let's have a gift exchange and let's I can't find any of it that brings upon it this biblical season or principle in the Bible that says, hey, let's get super excited about this. Let me well let's let's stay in gear. We're starting to shift into high gear now, so let's let's stay here and then we'll get off of it. These seasons are worshipped by pagan druids. This is how this started, this seasonal worship. At the end of the year, the winter solstice starts. Now, historically, if you research this, you can get, I've got plenty of books and plenty of resources, but if you research this, Christmas does not show up anywhere in history until the third century, and it doesn't gain any ground until the fourth century. It's a worship of Saturnalia and Brumelia. These are all false sun gods from December 17th to December 25th. Even, this is a Roman Catholic encyclopedia from 1911. Here's what Origen says, who's one of the early Roman Catholic Church fathers. Origen says this in the scriptures. This is a Roman Catholic. I guess they were all Roman Catholic back then. But here's what he says. No one is recorded to have kept a feast or held a great banquet on his birthday, meaning Jesus. It is only sinners like Pharaoh and Herod who make great rejoicings over the day in which they were born into this world. Now, this is, a Roman, this is a Roman Catholic church father saying this. I don't put a lot of stock in the Roman Catholic church, but it's pretty neat to look at what this character says. All right, Genesis chapter 40. I feel like it's getting hot in here. I don't know if it's because of the preaching or just the AC isn't working. Uh, Brother Nathan, if you want to click that thing on, we, we might need to cool people off. I don't think it's on. I'm just nervous. I don't know. 
Let's get on Genesis chapter 40, verse number 20. Genesis 40, verse 20. Look what it says. And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all his servants. And he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again and gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief butler as Joseph had interpreted to them. Let's look at the other reference of a birthday in the Bible. And let's see if we can tie any of it to a command or a principle that says, let's gather around an evergreen tree and celebrate the birthday of Jesus. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter number 14. The Bible says in verse number six, but when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she, being before instructed of her mother, said, give me here John Baptist's head in a charger. That's a plate. That's a deep dish plate. And the king was sorry, nevertheless, for the oath's sake. And then which sat with him at meat, he commanded it to, to give it her. And he sent and beheaded John in prison. The two instances of birthdays that come up in the Bible aren't really good connotations. We can't find any of it related to let's go ahead and celebrate the birthday of Christ. Let's go back to the winter solstice. One of the claims is Here's what people say. The custom of the Christmas tree, it does not come from any form of paganism. Now, I'm not telling anybody not put a tree up this year. And if you do, you can still have me over and I'm not going to, it's your house. I'm not going to make fun of you. And I would pray you wouldn't make fun of me. It's not my business what you do with your family and in your home. It's not. And I don't intend to make it. I honestly just want to look at the Bible and historical history. But that's the argument that it doesn't come from any form of paganism. And this is an argument made by Christians. And they say there's no evidence of any pagan religion decorating a special tree for their winter solstice or their festivals. I am not going into somebody's church that makes a big to do about this and causing trouble. Nor am I recommending you do that. If you visit a church and you're given a chance to preach, probably this isn't a good topic to pick. <laughs> Stick to something that everybody can rally around. We're doing this on a Thursday night. We have our diehards that are here and we praise God for it. But we do need to pick our battles. So I want to address these claims and I want to see if they're true. But the winter solstice, long before Christianity, pagans and evergreen plants went synonymous when they decorated their homes and their places of worship to celebrate this winter solstice. The days were the shortest, the nights were the longest. And they were praying that the, strength, the sun would get its strength back and come on out in full flesh. Because they believed the sun was weakening during this winter period. What did the evergreen plant serve as? As a reminder 
the sun is coming. The sun is coming. We need to worship the sun God so he comes out strong again. Some winter solstice seasons, they were celebrated. We'll go through some of them from different countries. In, in Egypt, here's what the Egyptians did. They celebrated the false god, Ra. He had the head of a hawk and, and the sun he had as a crown. They filled their home with green palm rushes. That's the Egyptians. So when you look at history, the claim that people make against it is not true. They, they did do these. In Europe, you had Celtic Druids. They had evergreen boughs, and they put them in their place of worship. And guess what it was to, supposed to symbolize? Everlasting life. That's Celtic Druids in Europe, and they're putting this stuff in their house, and they're celebrating everlasting life. You and I both know where we get everlasting life. Here's what the Vikings did. They celebrated Balder. He was the god of peace, joy, and light. And the evergreen itself represented this false god, Balder. Now, this is where it's going to get real interesting. This false god, Balder, was in the representation of an evergreen tree. This is history. You can look it up. He was the son of guess who? Odin. Odin was another Viking Norse false god. He was the god of knowledge and he was the god of wisdom. This is the god Odin, false god. Now, they had a great tree. Yggdrasil, and that was the home of where Odin lived. It was this great old big tree. They called it Yggdrasil, Y-G-G-D-R-A-S-I-L. Look it up. All the forces of life and all the intentions of life run throughout this tree, and it affects everything in the Norse world. Does any, any of you kids want to take a guess at where good old Walt Disney and all that, where they got the idea of the tree of life? Pagan mythology. They weren't reading the Bible one day and said, oh, that's where they got it. It was considered a sacred tree. Odin. Oh, this is good. This is just too good. Odin, he ends up sacrificing himself on this great tree of Yggdrasil. Why? For the people. Why? Because he's the god of wisdom and he's the god of knowledge and he's entwined and he sacrifices this on his tree and all his wisdom and his knowledge goes through all the branches of the tree. You say, Brother Jimmy, you're making it up. I'm not making it up. Now, that's the history behind it. Yggdrasil means world tree, where the highest Norse Viking god, Odin, is bound. Does anybody else find that starkingly blasphemous, that a false Viking Norse god 
dies on a tree for his people to give them wisdom and knowledge. And my savior bled out on a cross for my sin and for your sin. And I'm going to rally around an evergreen tree. I'm just saying it's something to think about and it's something to pray about. Here's what the Romans did. We'll start to wind down with the Romans. They celebrated a feast called Saturnalia. It was to honor Saturn. It was the God of agriculture. They decorated their homes and their place of worship with evergreen boughs. Saturnalia was a very, very important day of celebration. Why? Well, because from December 17th to December 25th, you could do what you want and not get in trouble. Drunkenness, revelry, fornication, all types of immodest behavior. You got a you got a free pass. But although most people took advantage of this, this time in this feast of Saturnalia was also a time for kindness. So guess what many Romans did? They practiced merrymaking and gift exchanging. Not making it up. Now you connect the dots however you want. It's a clever idea. They want to take a Saturnalia frat party with all types of revelry and sin and kind of merge it into a meek celebration of the birth of Christ. I'm just not buying it. I'm not buying it. Galatians 3 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. Let's finish up in everybody's favorite verse on a topic like this. And uh, let's, let's see. Uh, let's see if we can get Jeremiah chapter number 10. And before we finish out with this verse and a few closing thoughts, let me say this, whether you agree with this message tonight or not is fine. If you do agree with the message, the last thing I would want you to do is December, start wearing out your family or your friends or your neighbors going into their yard and burning up their Santa Claus and all that. That's not the message that we're trying to put out. So I really want you to pick up what I'm putting down. You chew on this. You pray about this. You do your own research. And if you don't agree and you see it another way, that's fine. That is fine. This is a matter between you and God. But God helping me, I really do. I honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I want us to be a church where we look to the Bible and we don't get distracted with other things. If I can find a command or a principle in the Bible, look, I'm all for it. All right, Jeremiah 10. Now, some say it's a false claim that Jeremiah prohibits the cutting down and decorating of trees in the same way that we do it as Christians. Here's the argument. Look, Jeremiah is just preaching about idolatry. Cutting down something of wood, making a piece of wood with your hands, and having idol worship, and then decorating with gold and silver, and then worshiping those wooden things and gold and silver that you've made with your hands. And that application is certainly there. 
I just don't believe it's not completely there. So I'm not even going to preach the verse. All I'm going to do is read the verse. And I'm going to let the verse preach to you. And then you do with it what you want. Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Okay, so this is to the nation. Thus saith the Lord. Doesn't say thus saith Wikipedia. Doesn't say thus saith my grandmama who's so sweet and just loves me and bakes great apple pie at Christmas time when we all have a great time with eggnog. It says thus saith the Lord. So we want to put away what everybody thinks except what the Lord thinks. Oh, I said I wasn't going to preach it, so sorry. Learn not the way of the heathen and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven for the heathen are dismayed at them. Verse 3. For the customs of the people are vain. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest. The work of the hands of the workmen with an axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. They put it in a Christmas tree stand that they found at Walmart. <laughs> no, sorry. I'm trying to behave myself. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. They are upright as the palm tree, but speak not. They must needs be born because they cannot go. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither also is it in them to do good. Now, if it's not talking about what it's talking about, then why does everybody freak out when you even hint at the idea of, well, we don't put up a Christmas tree? Why, if it... it if it's not an idol, why do people freak out at even the idea of taking it down? Just saying. I'm not saying that's you. I'm not. But I want to know, I want you to consider, what's the point? More importantly than anything else I said tonight, whether you agree or disagree, pray about what's your motive and bring that before God. I honestly want you to be fully persuaded in your own mind because I want to, as well as what I want for our church is to do all things, all things for the glory of God. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.